Andy. Hi, Linda. Uh, can I just paint a picture for you really quickly? I desperately hope you will. <laughs> so I just left my Greenpoint apartment for the last time that I will ever be there. And on my way out, I had to take some trash bags. And above the trash bags on the hook, there was an N95 mask <laughs> hanging on the wall. And I had to throw that away, too. And just seeing, like, my empty apartment and these trash bags and that mask was, like, I just feel like I, I'm going to see that picture in my head for the rest of my life. Like, it, it wow. perfectly summarized this moment. This exact moment. Like, life is still going on. I still had to move into <laughs> a new apartment. Movement is happening. Energy is still being transferred from one place to another. And, like, I don't even have the words. It's just, it's just bizarre. Definitely feels like a time to not have the words. That's, that's how I feel as well. Yeah. It's a mess, Linda. It's a real fucking mess. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the podcasts I listen to have been very intentionally not talking about this ongoing pandemic because they know that a lot of people come to these podcasts for just a, like goofy bullshit, like a dumb comedy show with right. you know, no serious tones whatsoever. And I really appreciate that about many of the shows I listen to because I'm one of those people that is looking for some form of... Uh, escapism in a comedy podcast but this is not yeah. this show Linda this show is not a comedy podcast this show is no. uh, it's kind of a uh, I think of this show as a ongoing log of our friendship kind of like tracking our friendship through time and also like a little bit of a time capsule for ourselves and others as yeah we just kind of like check we can in. look back and, and look at my most painful breakup we can look at you losing your father mm -hmm. like and now this is gonna be I don't even know how long it's going to last, but our weeks or months of living in a pandemic. I think it's going to be months. I think we're going to be locked down for months, especially you in yeah. New York. I think New York is going to be, it's going to have some real issues. I agree. I, I just, I am heartbroken for the communities in New York right now, especially. Um, I just wonder what businesses are going to survive this what it's going to look like afterwards. I have a lot of friends who are comedians. You know, I have like some threads going with my comedian friends and then I have the threads going with my tech friends. And it's just so weird because the comedians are all fucked. They're all people mm -hmm. who depend on their service industry jobs to pursue their passion at night, but they're still carrying on and doing like live streams of stand up And like, meanwhile, the tech folks are like, how do I, get the best setup at home and they're like oh it sucks that i don't have free snacks and you're like go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah. it is definitely yeah. a time where uh, like you know hillary and i are among the most lucky people that you could be right like i work in technology and like business is looking rough for us we lost some clients this week we lost out on a couple of potential projects that we had hoped might come through oh i'm uh, sorry to that. Yeah, but I mean, but like, again, in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, our industry is not going anywhere. Uh, I can work from home without basically any, you know, 
it's it's not an impediment to my work at all to have to work from home. Uh, and you know, ultimately, like, you know, we do a lot of e-commerce work. Things are theoretically going to move to online sales. So, like, we should theoretically be fine, even if it's rough for a little while. So I'm very lucky in that regard. And then Hillary works for the state. So she's, you know, one of the safest kinds of jobs uh, at this time and yeah. is also able to work from home kind of very safely. So, you know, even us with like every conceivable privilege, um, you know, we also have a little bit of money saved up. So like we're not imminently worried about not being able to pay our mortgage or something like that. And we have a sort of robust network of like immediate neighbors. Like a lot of our immediate neighbors are our good friends and people that we know we can rely on. And, you know, we have every, every conceivable advantage and it's still very stressful and very anxiety inducing and knowing that there are you know hundreds of thousands and soon to be millions of people out there that are way 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 worse off uh, and have no recourse and no outcome uh no, no thing yeah. else they can do it's uh it's very sobering to say the least yeah i know uh i'm trying to like continue like this is a time in my life that i could probably be saving money um, but I'm trying to remember like, oh, normally I would have spent this much on a coffee, so I should buy a gift card for my local coffee shop. And like, right. I don't know, even just like moving, I had to like FaceTime with my handyman so he could talk me through how to like do a few things. And I just paid him his regular fee, like as if he was there doing the work himself. Because mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, I've just been at home with my kids all week and I haven't been able to leave the house or do any work or have any income. And you're just like, oh my God, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. These people that we rely on daily. Uh, Part of it that's really tough for me is that like, uh, I feel that same thing. We've also tried to be generous and support local businesses whenever we can with gift cards and, you know, tips and stuff like that. But I also know that's not a sustainable thing. Right. Like, first of exactly. all, most people can't afford to do that or won't do that. Uh, so it's not like you know, any of these businesses are, are still getting their normal income because everybody's, you know, out of the kindness of their hearts doing this anyway. Um, and even if they were, like, it's just, it's not a thing that's going to be sustainable for the long term. And I think we are in this for the long haul. <laughs> like, yeah, everything, yeah, everything in like Maryland basically closed for two weeks. And this is the week one of two uh, with the sort of like, you know, with the theoretical idea that at the end of next week, things will open again. And there's no chance that's happening. Zero, no chance. zero chance. Um, no, we're at the beginning of something. And I think that like, it's interesting to observe the way that China dealt with this because they're a people who are used to being controlled by their government. So they're like told to stay at home. Uh, and so they did it and now they're getting better and their numbers are getting a lot better. And I just went to a park and like, there's a bunch of people who are just still out. And yeah, I mean, yeah. people are social distancing for sure. Like you can feel how empty it is. I'm currently on a eight minute drive home when it would normally take 45. Uh, and so people are definitely distancing and isolating, but um, I think it's going to take us a lot longer to get there. Yeah, and like we yeah, talked about we this, talked this last week, and I don't know if I'm going to end up releasing that show, at least not now. I feel like we should kind of release these ones we're recording so they're closer to when they were actually recorded because yeah, I agree. Uh, it just feels yeah. silly to release episodes where this wasn't really top of mind for us. And we talked about this a little bit, and, you know, I, I kind of said that I wasn't super concerned about it, mostly because I had been following the news somewhat closely, and I had seen that China had recovered from this so 
incredibly, frankly. Like, you know, they, they basically have no new community transmitted cases as like of the past like four or five days. And the only new cases are like a handful of cases that are people that traveled from abroad and arrived in China with the virus. Uh, and, you know, they're basically almost back to completely business as usual and like managed to completely isolate this thing and basically beat it uh, without a huge, I mean, obviously deaths are horrible and, you know, a couple thousand deaths is terrible, but, you know, Italy passed China in total deaths uh, a couple days ago and is still getting more and more every single day and is on track to have 10 or 100 times as many deaths as China had. And uh, so p part of me was like, oh, you know, even though I, and I am like a classic don't trust the government person, not like a tinfoil hat libertarian style, but just that like I know that all of the corridors of power are actually just occupied by people that are self-interested and uh, not necessarily the most capable or the most smart, but just people that were connected and could, you know, get these positions. And even I, with my like incredible skepticism, was like, surely, given that we had all of this notice, we got to see this thing happen in China, we had months and months and months of notice in advance, surely we'll have some kind of plan in place to deal with it. And the answer is no, we did not. <laughs> and we still don't really... Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like we're going to have like a million, or two million deaths probably when this is all said and done. And, you know, China had a couple thousand and they right. were actually caught off guard by this. So uh, I think a big like political lesson from this is like learning what we can from a country that is clearly much better organized to handle a disaster like this than we are. Exactly. What is it that uh, made it so much worse in Italy? Uh, so I don't quote me on this. My understanding is that uh, mostly what it was is just that the government did not respond quickly. Um, like they didn't lock things down quickly. They didn't like take it seriously and sort of stay on top of it. Um, I also read something somewhere and this was, I think like a comment on a thread. So don't like quote me on this, but somebody was basically saying that you know, the population in Italy has a, they have a very like large older population, which is a, yeah. which is a big increase in threats. And also apparently like culturally a lot of like, young-ish people in their like you know middle like 20s and stuff st still live at home in Italy whereas in you know places like the United States you're most people are trying to get out of their parents house as much as possible right. apparently that's culturally not part of the deal over there so this kind of perfect storm of a bunch of older people that have a bunch of younger people living with them the younger people are going out they're seeing a bunch of people they're in contact with a bunch of people they're vectors for this thing and then they come home to the very vulnerable population is what i heard i mean i think it basically comes down to just the fact that they weren't prepared and didn't handle it at all uh and you know right. lots of people pointing out that they're basically like you know 10 days ahead of us 11 days ahead of us on like the schedule of outbreak and we didn't really respond to that much quicker so if you look at where they are now we are very likely to be there in 11 days uh and that's horrifying because yeah you know, they're in a place where they have their medical system is completely strapped they have no ventilators they're basically just deciding who gets care and who doesn't and consigning older people to die because they can't treat them and yeah. it's uh it's i was one of the things that's uniquely horrifying about this like i've been thinking a lot about 9-11 because uh, this feels very much like a moment in time where there is a before and there will be an after. And like, we are not going to emerge in the same world as we are in now, uh, after this thing is all said and done. It's not gonna be like an event that happens and then we return to normal, uh, much like 9-11 was. But I was pretty young when 9-11 happened. I was in like third grade or something. And so my- Wait, really? I think so. I was in ninth grade, so you were in eighth. That kid, that- can't be no you're right i'm sorry you're completely right. i think i was in seventh grade uh seventh cool. grade sorry 
I got my teachers mixed up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was pretty young. I wasn't like, you know, politically aware of what was happening in the world. Uh, so I don't really have that much of a, like my memory of the world pre 9-11 is completely, you know, parochial. It's just, I was playing in the backyard, <laughs> you know, reading comic books, playing with Legos. Like I didn't have any awareness of what was going on in the world. So I can't really, I didn't experience that before and after the way that we're going to experience this before and after. Right. Uh, but something that's uniquely horrifying about this is that it, it really is happening in slow motion. Like we are currently paying the price for our lack of preparedness from two to four to six weeks ago. And, you know, what we're doing right now is, is what we're going to pay the price for in a month. And so all those people right. that are still out in the park that are still doing stuff, uh, you know, when this gets incredibly bleak in a month, uh, are they still going to be doing those things? I, I don't think they are, uh, which makes me feel like people are still not taking it seriously enough as much as I am. I like, as much as I'm kind of like heartened by the things I have seen, it's uh, it's just like it's 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 it feels like we're just at the top of this roller coaster and uh, there's a there's a huge pit in front of us and it's kind of inevitable at this point. Like we are not going to have enough ventilators. Major cities are not going to have enough hospital beds. Uh, and it's not the details of it are unclear, but it, like it seems very clear that we are we are kind of destined for some real bleak shit. And like yep. knowing that's coming and trying to like live a normal life is is hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah, being in New York is interesting. Uh, these people are really proud. Like, I think that having gone through 9-11, a lot of New Yorkers are like, try me. You know, they're, they're, they kind of have this attitude of like, we have been put to the test. We know how to do this. We got this. Um, but, you know, like, as I'm saying this, someone just like jogged by me. And I wonder if that's okay. And I'm looking at the park next to me and there are people with strollers and stuff. And uh, I don't know, like, I saw that the New York Times even put out like a guide for like isolation walks, like where to where to walk by yourself, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that if we were serious about like nipping this thing in the bud quickly, I feel like we shouldn't be entertaining those types of things. But I don't know. I also saw the chart that showed, um, like pure quarantine, um, like government lockdown quarantine versus like social distancing and how it like flattens the curve and it makes it last longer, but it's like less severe. Um, so I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about anything. I feel mostly scared. Uh, yeah. it's just, um, yeah, and like we should say, like we I put the the date we recorded these things in the show notes for every episode, so you can always check there, listener, if you want to know. We're recording this Saturday midday. This is Saturday, what March twenty first, right? Yeah, twenty first. Yeah. Um, and like the details of this thing are changing on like an hourly basis. Like you know, as far as we know, in two days, the entire country will be on a national you know isolation quarantine, as opposed to each state getting to do whatever they want and different cities kind of having different implementations of this thing, but. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's rough. I, part of it is like, you know, one of the things about scary news is that almost all scary news for people like you and I, Linda, uh, is the kind of scary news that like just kind of happens in the distance, right? Like it's scary because you get to watch videos about it online and you get to read about it, but not that it's actually like immediately happening to you. Um, right. You know, like uh, like there's definitely been lots of, 
disasters in my adult life. I've watched hurricanes and tsunamis and wildfires and, you know, all these things kind of happen elsewhere in the world. And it mostly it's just a scary thing that happens on, on the internet. Right. Um, and in some ways this is kind of the same, right? I'm supposed to just stay in my house and and Hillary, I basically have not gone anywhere for the past eight days and are planning to be kind of camped up here for a while. Uh, like theoretically I could just not look at the news, just stay in my house. And like, I, I probably wouldn't, really know anything was happening, right? Like, I'm not going to look out my window uh, anytime soon, I don't think, you know, knock on wood, and see, like, you know, plague doctors marching down my street with, uh, with you know, coffins and stuff. Uh, so, like, part of me wonders how much I should even be paying, paying, paying attention to it because it's just so upsetting. Uh, but then I also feel like I can't look away. It's like a train wreck. It really is. Yeah, I've, um, since I've had, I feel like it's a luxury to have to move during a thing like this because yesterday... Um, we got everything into the new place and then I spent the entire day just unpacking and settling in and there's still a lot of work to do. And like a few times yesterday, I actually forgot, you know, like that the world is not normal right now. Uh, I got so in the zone with the packing and unpacking that it just felt like a normal day. Um, which is, is kind of nice. So I'm like, well, if I just stay in my house and play animal crossing for the next six months, like, I don't have to look at the news. I don't have to know what's going on, but you're right. There is this like need to stay informed, um, that can be really damning and hard and frustrating. And at this point, like, you know, I I don't feel like it's a need to stay informed. That's actually productive. Like, again, I'm, we're, we're essentially already behaving as if there was a national, you know, forced quarantine or forced isolation. Right. Uh, because I feel like it's the responsible thing to do. Um, also, like, my, I have a coworker uh, who they and their family are both tested positive uh, already, which I, I, you know, I feel like anecdotally, like, I, I know so many people that have symptoms or seem to have it, uh, but just can't get a test because of the extremely limited test quantities in this country and the ridiculous rules we have for giving people tests. So I feel like I know lots of people that probably actually have it. Um, but in this case, my coworker and their family was able to get a test cause they've been traveling and, uh, like, yeah, they're, they're definitely positive. Uh, so like, you know, just yeah. trying to be responsible, just do, do the thing I'm supposed to do. Um, so yes, yeah, it's not even like watching the news is going to like change my behavior. I don't expect. Uh, so like, yeah. what, what am I doing it for? Um, other than, and I feel like, I know. And I feel like I definitely had it too. Um, yeah. You're one of the people I was thinking of. You basically said you had all the symptoms. They wouldn't give you a test. You just, yeah. And I like still have to use this inhaler every now and then. Like I feel mostly better, but like my respiratory health still isn't quite where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, yeah, trip to San Francisco, had dinner with somebody who had just been to Wuhan. (laughs) Like, uh, I'm surprised you couldn't get a test given those circumstances, given that you, you know, were in direct contact with somebody who, I guess that's, you know, secondary yeah. contact at that point, but. Yeah. And because like my doctor, my doctor asked me, like, was the person who had been to Wuhan, were they healthy? Is their partner healthy? And I'm like, I mean, as far as I can tell, like they're not a close right. enough friend that I yeah. feel comfortable. Like, well, they weren't me. hacking up blood at the dinner table. So I guess they're yeah. fine. Right. And, like, to have the doctor tell you, like, well, since you're, like, low risk anyways and you don't have severe symptoms, just stay home. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, doctors are doing what they have to do. We have so few tests. Like, just disturbingly few tests. Uh, I know. 
and like you can tell because you know they like a bunch of rich people and celebrities are getting tests even though they're completely asymptomatic they have no symptoms whatsoever haven't been traveling no reason to expect they have it but still you see in the news every day like oh you know four members of this basketball team tested positive they have no symptoms and it's like okay well why did the whole basketball team get tests and if the whole basketball team got tests and 10 percent of them had the thing and had no symptoms like what pop what percent of the population has it right now and has no symptoms i wow. I, I, I honestly think so people testing positive even when they don't have any symptoms at all oh yeah i mean that, that's a big part of what the issue is with this virus is that a lot of people uh you know obviously reports are all varied but it seems like a decent chunk of people that test positive for the virus like have no symptoms whatsoever um there was wow. a couple of places in china and italy where they like took entire towns and just tested everybody uh like you know did a wholesale testing of all the people um, and, you know, in those situations, almost as many people that had the virus and were showing symptoms also had the virus and were asymptomatic. And so, oh, wow. um, so it may be like half the people that have it don't have any symptoms whatsoever and never will. They're just carrying it. Um, and that plus the sort of long, long incubation period where you don't have any symptoms at all, uh, even if you do become symptomatic, just means that there's lots of people carrying on their normal lives as if everything's fine. Yeah. <sighs> Boy. It's fucked up, man. Linda. I know. The other thing is, like, you know, I we've discussed a little bit of politics on this show, and I feel like I'm very, I try to be very politically engaged. Uh, it's something that's somewhat important to me. And, like, I don't know, like, I actually have no idea. I can't even begin to speculate what is going to happen in the world post this thing. Like, when we, if we fast forward 18 months from now, well, I don't, I don't think we'll be rid of it by then, but I think, you know, hopefully in 18 months, life will be back to, back to a sort of a new normal. Uh, and this won't be like a sort of full quarantine situation where everything's up in the air. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen politically. I have no idea what's going to happen economically. Like, it just seems completely up in the air. Like, you could speculate yeah. wildly. And that's a very strange feeling. It's, it's very disorienting to be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, is the Democratic Party completely over? Possibly. Like, could be. Like, we, maybe there's no more Democrats anymore because, uh, you know, the right-wing executive branch and Senate is about to pass a bunch of like extremely progressive policies to give people like essentially universal basic income uh, and possibly like expand healthcare and do all these things that the Democrats said were never possible. And so what's going to happen when the rightmost party is doing the most progressive policies? How are the Democrats ever going to win another election? Like maybe that happens. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah. You know, for a minute there, I was thinking maybe this thing spreading was going to like give Bernie a chance to come back dramatically uh, in the primary because he's actually addressing these issues and has kind of been proposing systematic solutions that address these issues for his entire political career. But uh, it seems like that's gotten completely lost in the, in the shuffle and no one seems I to know. care. No one seems to care yeah, or yeah. know. And like the voting is totally fucked because no one can go to their polling places. Like the, the degree to which things are fucked means that nothing makes sense. Like you can't, you can't logic any, any outcome. It's just a big roll yeah. of the dice. I know it's wild. And I, I also expected, like, oh, this is, like, all the things that Bernie was talking about in his entire career. I, I guess people are going to be into that. But instead, and I was also, like, expecting that maybe some Republicans would realize, like, how poorly handled this whole thing has been from the Trump administration. And instead, there's just, like, hatred towards China. Like, they just have all of this hate and this negative energy that they just keep feeding and, like, redirecting. So instead of just coming to terms with the fact that, like, this is a shit show. They're like, yeah, but China did it. 
Did you uh did you see the picture from the speech he gave a couple of days ago from the press conference where one of the AP photographers has a picture of his notes and it's like in a three ring binder and it's printed in like seventy two point font so he can read it at a distance. Uh, and the one thing that was very striking in this photo is that uh, it's got this whole like you know script he's supposed to read out about the you know virus. And at one point like it says coronavirus and. Trump has scratched out Corona with a Sharpie and written Chinese above it. It's the only like oh modification to the entire script. Uh, and he obviously he's been calling it the Chinese virus for a long time, which is like incredibly racist. But like that picture made me realize or made me feel like for one of the first times that uh, like Trump is actually kind of smart. Like I, I, it seems like he's very clearly doing this because he knows he fucked up. Our like our response has been really bad. And so he needs to like shift the blame. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, he's, he's a master of that. But but I mean, I, I, I've never felt like in all of his like, for all of his success <laughs> politically, uh, I have never actually before felt like he was at all savvy about it. I felt like for my entire opinion up until maybe seeing that photo was that he was just this guy who was like a you know, blithering charlatan that like happened to stumble into a political moment where his like dumbass message, which he would be saying anyway, cause he's a dumbass happened to resonate, but it was like total dumb luck on his part. Like if right. you look back at his campaign, like he never expected to win. Really? He was, be he was behaving on the campaign trail. Like he was never expected to win. He had this like freedom to basically do things. No politician ever did before and talk the way no politician ever talked because there were no expectations for him. Like I didn't ever get the sense that what he was doing was like politically calculated. Uh, but imagining him looking at that script and like you know taking a sharpie and crossing out coronavirus and writing Chinese virus is just like yeah this is this is the authoritarian response to like global crisis it's going to be to yeah. like blame the outsider and to like make to build our walls up when in reality like uh, I I don't think I, I have no energy right now really to like try and put a silver lining on this thing yet considering we're already we're in like chapter one of 50 and again it's gonna get like it's gonna get horrible like we're gonna watch millions of people die over the next like couple months i think um yeah so like i'm not ready to put silver linings in anything but uh it is a unique crisis in the world in that like almost every country on earth is dealing with this thing right now and in very similar terms right like there's a lot of i feel a lot of solidarity with people in spain and in china and in uh, you know, Italy that are like under very similar circumstances that we're under. And that's, that's kind of rare. Like it's hard to think of a time in history where that's ever happened before. You know, it's, it's like an alien yeah. invasion or something where like for once it seems like this thing is bigger than the sort of, you know, border squabbles and like the little parochial bullshit that we're always dealing with. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, like the fact that, you know, Trump's response to this is very clearly going to be to like try and sharpen the delineations between us and the other and to like draw those lines deeper uh, is very disheartening. And uh, it reminds you that, you know, the world could respond to this in a couple of ways. We could like kind of somewhat be united and, and begin to understand that we have a lot of shared humanity and that all the things we're usually quibbling over are like trivial and don't actually matter. Or we could all, you know, dig into the trenches and convince ourselves that we're the chosen people and everyone else is, you know, costing us something. Uh, yeah. Oy. I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> Did you do this? <laughs> is it your fault? I, <laughs> I don't think you have to apologize, Linda. I invented a fun little virus. <laughs> you're, you're down in the lab. You thought this would be fun. 
really test people. Um, well, I want to give an update on my last week, though, because yeah. it was I, I'm a person who already works remotely. I'm already used to being at home all day long. Um, I know a lot of people are in adaptation um, world to this, but we were supposed to be in Ireland all last week for our retreat. And we decided to do it remotely uh, instead. We, we talked about maybe just giving everyone that week off. And then we were like, no, let's just carry on as if it were retreat week. Let's just uh, figure out a bunch of fun activities that we can do together. Because I think this is a time where if we just let everyone uh, <laughs> have a free week to do whatever they want with, it's going to be like, sit at home and stew in your own anxiety. <laughs> yeah, this is not a good time to have just a whole bunch of a whole bunch you know, of free time. A whole bunch of free time, which, uh, you know, ironically is what so many people in so many industries have because they have no job anymore. I know. Um, so we had a full week of, of stuff and um, I actually ended the week feeling the way that I normally do at the end of a retreat, feeling like I made a bunch of new memories and I learned some things about people that I worked with and I got to meet a couple of people that I work with who I had never met before and and it was really, it was really nice um, to just create these intentional pauses during the crisis, where we had a rowdy showing of cats one day, where we had a whole Slack room of people watching it at the same time, uh, just yelling at each other about how horrible it was, and uh, we played a lot of Scribble.io, which is just kind of like a Pictionary. Um, that you can do online together. Mm -hmm. And I got, I got my friend Kelly to do a workshop for us on paper folding. So we got to do like some crafts together and um, we still got to do a lot of fun and new things. And um, I, I know that you're not at the silver lining point yet, but that's just where my brain goes. I think that I, I'm learning things about myself in this crisis. And that is that I operate at my highest capacity during chaotic, intense, uh, horrible times, which is a weird thing to know about yourself. It's like when my apartment flooded and uh, I was able to observe myself in a situation where like my entire world was being rained on, literally, and uh, just went right to work, like what needs to be done. Um, and I think that I become the most focused in those situations. And so that's kind of how I've felt for the last couple of weeks, which is probably like, great, you're running on high adrenaline and uh, you're going to collapse in a couple of weeks because of how stressful this all is. But um, it's just been interesting to see how everyone adapts differently to it. Um, we, I had a lot of conversations with the people on my design team last week, and it's just such a mix. You know, I'm learning whole new things about people. Some people have become very depressed. Some people are just trying to act like everything's normal. Some people are just extremely anxious. Um, and it's never like quite who you expect, but it's just been an interesting time for humanity in general. And I feel emotionally a lot closer to these people that I normally have just kind of transactional relationships with. Um, it feels like there's just a lot more like soul to each of these interactions now like everyone feels like they're a little bit closer to themselves yeah it's kind of nice i'm definitely not running on that like i know what you're describing under the like high pressure adrenaline like time to be 
as effective as possible. Like the most mundane common way that happens is like, oh, we have this uh, big presentation or meeting today and, you know, we still aren't quite ready for it. And like the amount of productivity that happens under that, like, you know, that like total time crunch is unparalleled. (laughs) Like all of a sudden you can get things done in an hour that you could never have gotten done an hour before. But uh, my response to this has not been that. I have not had any of that like adrenaline pressure cooker thing. I have just had this like looming like ennui <laughs> just yeah like, like I, I just like I feel like I feel like I'm just like like my entire life is like sitting on a beach somewhere like I've got my computer and I'm working from home and I'm trying to like do my yoga in the morning still and like maintain these routines and I feel like I'm just like my whole house is on a beach somewhere and there's like a giant tidal wave and I can see it coming and it's very slow uh and I'm watching it come and I'm just like well you know, it's not here yet, so I might as well just continue to do my yoga every day. Uh, and th- that's that's the feeling. I feel like I'm in the shadow of this of this thing, uh, and it's hard to hard to shake that feeling. Uh, yeah. And like again, it's very sobering to be like I I'm in about as privileged a position as is real. I mean, aside from being like an ultra rich one percenter who can like you know jet off to an island somewhere, like you know we're 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 very well off. We're very lucky here. Um, yeah but uh but still it's just like seeing that this is going to happen to the world and that it really is happening in slow motion is like extra brutal like i mean 9-11 yeah. was horrible but there is something about the fact that like that day was horrible and then you know it was all kind of concentrated in that day and then we had to like right. reckon with it you know collectively uh and it was very like because it was so acute like i think it was much more like viscerally scary like i imagine that day for so many people was this like insane adrenaline of like what's going to happen next, what's happening, like the world's being turned upside down. Uh, and this, by comparison, is just like this long, drawn out, like you don't get that acute hit of adrenaline. You just get this wave, this huge wave. Yeah. yeah. Well, how often do you want to record? Uh, I will record as much as you want, Linda. Um, I don't mind if we, we can like, uh, abandon our normal release schedule for this time period if we record a lot more for some reason. Uh, yeah, should we, but, re- should we release on like Mondays and Fridays? I'm sure we can do whatever we want. Or something um, like that? Yeah, I mean, whatever whatever works out. I, I, I feel different almost every day from moment to moment. So like, yeah. it's, it's not like tomorrow we'll have nothing to talk about because uh, I right. will still feel completely differently. So uh, so yeah, it's really up to you. Like I, I'm, this is, my podcast recording setup is now where I sit every single day. So uh, yeah, and I only have a few meetings because most of our work just is kind of quiet, alone typing time. So yeah, um, so yeah, if you ever feel feel the uh, feel the urge, just uh, let me All know. Right. We'll make it happen. We'll do it a lot then. And also, you can reach out to me if you don't want to talk on the air about stuff, and if you just need a friend. I understand, and I appreciate that, Linda. I'm here for you. Here for you too. Love you, dude. I love you. All right, stay safe. You're in the you're in kind of the epicenter, so uh, be smart up there. All right. Yeah, I am. I'm just gonna hide in my house and play Animal Crossing. Yeah, I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you Hillary's code. We're also playing Animal Crossing. Ooh, I'm gonna text it to you right now. I recently copied it to my clipboard on my phone. <laughs> I recently copied it to my clipboard. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, suffice it to say, uh, no sponsors and uh, no questions this week, folks. But uh, I mean, if you uh, people have if people want to like write in and share or like record a voice recording and like also for yourselves like make a little time capsule about how you feel in this moment and want to share with us like uh, maybe this can be an outlet for that i don't know um but that's a thing if people want to send them in mail it oh my god 
<laughs> I need to share something with you really quickly. All right, go. Um, so Mark hooked the whole house up with like smart lights. And That's a very Mark thing to do. Yes. And it, it, this house does stuff. I have no, I have no fucking idea, but he made it so that when I come home or when I come get close to the house, it turns his office lights red for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Which it's, is great. It's the early warning system. Yeah, because when I got here, he I've been sitting outside for a while in the car. He came out and he found this giant box that was in the back. And I was like, how did he know I was here? And, <laughs> and you see how. the red lights glowing behind him yeah, through the open that, door. <laughs> we live in the future. Uh, in so many ways. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Linda. Well, I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Love you, bud. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.